It is just so awesome to be back here. I was sharing last night. It's been a long while since we've been here, and this is one of my pl- favorite places on the planet. So it is such a joy to be here. I just wanted to take a few minutes to share something that um, God's just like, you know when you have these revelations that go on and on and on and on, and they just get deeper and deeper and deeper. And one for me that has continued to get deeper over the years is this thing of praise. I don't know if you say dance or dance here. Dance, okay. So, you know there's seven words that praise comes out of that's translated from seven different words, and they're all good. They're all amazing. You know, raise your hands, shout, tehillah, that means a new song. But one of them is dance. And I have felt during this last season with um, the whole COVID thing and everything and the heaviness that has come upon some people, it's not always been easy. But one of the answers I have found biblically is praise, because it's the garment of praise that, that defeats the spirit of heaviness. It is that, it's the exact thing. So um, I started saying to people individually when they came to me with something they were working through, I just said to them, take 21 days, just because they said that's what it takes to break a habit. No biblical reference to that. Um, and every single day, spend time praising, including dancing. Physical obedience releases spiritual blessing. That really does work. And if you take the Bible and what David did, one of the first things he did is he formed a group of people who could go ahead and praise. And many battles were won with nothing but praise. And battles that we go through in life are won by praise. Every person that I gave that so-called homework to, every single one, that did it every day for 21 days had major breakthrough. We saw breakthroughs in marriages that were falling apart, like really seriously. We saw addiction stop. We saw um, people that just were really heavy come alive. I had one lady say to me, it's like I have revival inside my heart all the time. It's an incredible weapon. So this morning, we just, you know, again, you people are so blessed to have awesome praise and worship here. Um, But sometimes we don't feel like praise. But that's when you get out and you dance and you declare and you declare and you declare in your prayers and breakthrough comes. So I just want to encourage you this season, do this more than you would normally do it. If you don't, try it. Sit in your own room and dance around and spin around and go crazy. It is very powerful. Thank you. Hello, praise the living Lord, it's on. Okay, good morning. Good morning, everybody. We have loved being here. We really have. I just want to echo what my precious wife said. We love being here. We love you guys. We love this place. I've said before, if we had to make our own choice, we would move to this area. But uh, it's not our choice. It's his. Uh, We really would. We love this area. It's a tremendous blessing to be here. So thank you. And I want to just thank the leaders uh, for letting us come, all of them, husbands, wives, and uh, it's a privilege. It really is. God is good. Is he not? Is there someone sitting here or someone that's here this morning, you've struggled with something on the left-hand side of your body it might be to do with your kidneys, but you get a pain in the front of your body. It might be, I'm not a nurse or a doctor, 
the tube that goes from one place to the other place in order to dispense urine or whatever. I don't know what you call it, urethra, I don't know what it's called. But anyway, is anybody here that struggles with that or has been struggling with that? Nobody. All right. I just developed a pain in the left-hand side of my body this morning, and I know it's not me, so... Your wife. Uh, <laughs> you, okay, we will pray for her later. Why? I firmly believe what God reveals, he heals. Because I don't have that problem. But I had that pain this morning. And then it disappeared. And I've just learned from past experience that sometimes God will do that. He will reveal something in my body because he wants to heal it in somebody else's body. So I just want to encourage you to be aware of that. So we will definitely be praying for. All right. All right. Well, if you've got a Bible, turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 19. I'm very excited about this morning what I want to share. I think it's a subject that unfortunately is a little misunderstood. Um, unfortunately, maybe not applied in the way that it should be applied. Luke 19 um, if you go from verse 1, and we don't have time to read it, it's about where Jesus enters, um, he enters Jericho, and as he's passing through Jericho, all these people are following Jesus, and so Zacchaeus, because he was a short man in stature, although he was a very well-known man in the area, had to climb up a tree to see what was happening, because he couldn't peer over the front of people. And so as Jesus is walking by, he literally stops and says, and he points to Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, I need to come to your house. Now that is a word of knowledge that Jesus had about his name. And people must have wondered why him. He's not very well liked because he was a very wealthy man from the taxes he collected and the stuff he had cheated people in. Yet Jesus chose to go to his house. Isn't that amazing? Chose to go to his house. And then there's an interaction that happens when he's in his house. And in verse 8 it says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and, I, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. So he was a wealthy man, to be able to, a wealthy man to be able to do that. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abram. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. How many of you have heard that scripture? Jesus came to seek and save the lost. It doesn't say that. That's what he came to do. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Which includes people. But what is the that that he came to save? That word to seek and save, the, to save that word save... It's to help people come free from the presence of danger or loss or destruction. Twenty times it's used of physical life to restore physical life from death. Fourteen times it's related to deliverance from disease or demons. And fourteen times it's related to actual spiritual release in a person's heart. But the Bible says Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. And so I want to talk on the that part. What is it? There are a number of things, but I want to touch on three and spend a little time on one. And so the first thing he came to seek and save, that, the first part of that, is relationship and fellowship with God. That was lost 
in the garden through Adam. Adam and Eve had unhindered access to the Lord. And due to the fact that they disobeyed the Lord, they were cut off because of the sin. And their very nature, the very heart of man, got bent and twisted. And self was born. And they were kicked out of the garden. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is self. Bible says love does not love oneself. In my opinion. Becomes self-focused. And so man changed forever when that happened. And so fellowship was lost. That relationship was lost. And Jesus said, I've come to restore that. So you can have fellowship and relationship back with my Father in heaven. Okay, there's a lot in That's a sermon on its own, but I don't have time. The second thing that he came to restore was life. Life was lost. It says God told Adam and Eve that if you eat of the tree of the knowledge good of evil, you will die. You will surely die. The devil said you will surely not die. And when they ate, they died spiritually. They were still living and breathing, but they died. Death entered in to the human race. That's what happened. Death entered in right there. And the Bible says, John, uh, Jesus said in John 10, 10, that the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life. You have, might have it more abundantly. Because right now, people that don't know Jesus, although they're living, they are dead in their sins. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. We have to. It's not about morality. It's not about doing right or wrong. Because when he touches my heart and I get born again, there's something that changes inside of me. I don't want to do what I used to do, not because I don't have to do it or because I'm not allowed to. It's because I don't want to anymore. I've lost the desire. That's the difference. It's not me trying to resist it. So he came to say, and when life was light, there was light, light was light, because the Bible says, in him was light, and that light was the life of man, and that light shines in darkness, and darkness has not comprehended it. So the life and the light of God was lost, and when we lose the life and the light, we see things differently. We don't see the things the way we should see things, because we're blinded. Our suspective changes. And we were promised wisdom by the devil, but it's worldly wisdom. It's fallen wisdom. It's man's wisdom. And God, Jesus said, I came to save that life and light that you lost. I've come to restore that. Good news. Thank you. Somebody agrees with me. All right. But this morning, I want to talk about the third one. Jesus came to restore authority. Authority. And so I want to talk a little bit about believers' authority. But before I talk about spiritual authority, I want to talk, say a few things about authority in general. There are various kinds of authority. There's God-ordained authority. God has given parents authority over their children. Don't surrender that authority to anyone else. There was a big debate happening in the county that I used to live in back in Virginia. And they were running for governorship. And one of the people that were running for the governorship said, 
The authority of your kids' education doesn't belong to parents, but to the education board. And the parents rose up. Parents rose up. Good for them. Then there's general authority God has deigned in the church through church leaders. Then there's the word of God has authority. Then there's mandated authority. Any legal documents. We sign legal documents. There's an authority given in those legal documents. Then there's functional authority. Doctors, lawyers, teachers, professionals, skilled workers. They have authority to do what they've been equipped to do. They've been given authority. Go and do it. To be in authority, we need to be under authority. Got to understand that. So let me explain a little bit. To be submissive is an attitude, while obedience is a matter of conduct. God alone receives unqualified obedience, delegated authority that issues an order that goes totally contrary to the word of God, will not be given submission, I'm sorry, but will be given submission, but not obedience. Well, what I mean by that, I don't undermine the authority I'm in, but I'm not going to do what they ask me to do, because it goes contrary to the Word of God. But I'm not going to undermine them. I'm not going to destroy them to others. That's what happened to the disciples in Acts, when they were told, God, don't go preach this name. And Peter and Paul said, that's all we can do. So they put them in prison. We can't obey you. We need to obey God. We often misunderstand authority as something oppressive, hurtful, or troubling. But that's not how God sees it. And that was never in the heart of God. Also, some would like to have authority from God alone, but God's way is working to set up indirect or delegated authority for us to obey because that hones us and shapes us. So there's a wonderful man who died recently, Floyd McClung, this is what he wrote. So the real question of spiritual authority is not does it exist, but how is it exercised? That in turn depends on how one defines spiritual authority. Jesus made it abundantly clear that what he meant by authority was influencing the flock or others through serving. The only right use of a spiritual authority is to serve others. Jesus said, let him who governs be one as serves. In this sense, authority is defined as the right to influence others. Jesus went to great lengths to define the meaning of that authority, both in word and deed. But how do we know if we are exercising true spiritual authority in a Christ-like way? And he wrote this. These are seven things that will help us. Does it restrict or does it liberate? Does it lead to conformity or does it promote creativity? Does it bring dependence on man or dependence on God? Does it produce bondage and drudgery or servanthood? Does it depend on law or grace? Does it destroy or build a person's confidence? And does it produce fear or does it equip people to function with confidence in their gifts as God has called them to do? That's what authority is meant to do. It's never meant to dominate and control and restrict. It's meant to get underneath and support and help and stand alongside and release and cover and take the hits on behalf of other people so they can get on and do what they're meant to do. The purpose of authority is to fulfill the purposes of God on earth, which is to establish the kingdom. So I love what Paul said, is to establish the kingdom. 
in the hearts and the lives of people so peace, joy, righteousness, and order can be brought back into our lives and be embraced, and we can live a life of righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. That's what authority is meant. God does not want us to be only earthbound. We were not designed as Christians for this world. And when we are caught up in the Spirit, when you become aware of His presence, He lets us know in a way that He, sorry, He lets us know in a way that He could not know otherwise, that we are, not, we are only pilgrims on this earth, and we are not natural, but supernatural. Let me explain authority this way. It's biblical Christian authority. I have great respect for the office of the president and for some presidents. But if that president is not born again, every born-again Christian in this auditorium has greater authority in the spirit realm than he does. You have to understand that. You have greater authority than the president of your country if you're a born-again Christian in the spirit realm. That's what Jesus has given us. Because our fight is not against flesh and blood. Our fight against is the unseen forces of wickedness. That's where our fight is. And we have authority, we have authority in Christ to advance the kingdom and push back the forces of darkness. We have been given authority to do that. No born, if you're not born again, you don't have authority to do that. That's why I say you have greater authority than the president in that sense. It's amazing to think about that. So spiritual authority. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Life, love, relationship, fellowship, authority. Authority is given and received. You can't grasp for it. You can't work for it. It's as revelation comes within your heart of who he is and what the cross has done for you and I, authority increases in your heart. As revelation comes inside you and I understand the magnificence of who he is and the dominion that he has and that his name is above all names, and what happened at the cross, the divine exchange that took place in the spirit that impacts me, authority begins to increase inside of me. That's how it comes. So we desperately need the revelation of what happened at the cross. And as the revelation comes, I found the authority grows. Authority grows. So, what do we have as Christians, spiritual authority? What does that look like? How do I exercise it? How do I let it work out in my life? And I want to mention three things. Three things this morning concerning spiritual authority. You've got to understand that. Man was created in the image of God, as I said. And Adam was given authority and dominion over all the earth. Go read it, Genesis 1. To rule and to subdue. But when Adam sinned through deception, he surrendered the God-given authority he had been given to rule over the earth. He surrendered that to the evil one. He gave it 
to Satan. And Satan became the ruler of the world. He was he usurped their authority from Adam and Eve. So even in Luke chapter 4, don't turn there, we'll get to some scripture now. When Satan came to tempt Jesus, and one of the things he said to Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me, I will give you the authority. And Jesus never contested that. He called him the prince of this world. Jesus called him the prince of this dark world. That's what Jesus called him. You have to understand that, folk. So things that you see happening in the world, it's the wicked forces at work. Destroying. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's a liar and a deceiver. Jesus came to earth as the last Adam. And he offered himself up for our sins, our sin nature. And he restored and redeemed man to his former position of authority over Satan. He rendered Satan powerless at the resurrection. The Bible says in Hebrews 2.14, and I'll put it up at the back there hopefully, says this, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. So he became like you and I. He took on flesh and blood. And when he died at the cross and rose again, he took back the authority, he took back the keys that were given to the evil one through Adam, he took him back. He rendered him powerless. That's what he did. If you read Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, this is what it says. Colossians 1 verse 13 says, Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Rescued us. We were brought out from under the dominion of darkness. And he put his love and his nature and his spirit within us. And he says, and now I give you the keys of the kingdom. Because you have me inside of you. You're no longer under the dominion of darkness. I've rescued you. Don't listen to him. That's what he's saying. That's what he's doing. And in Colossians chapter 2 verse 15, the Bible says this. And having disarmed, having disarmed, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So this is a wonderful picture. When you drive on the highway and you see these billboards and they're advertising something, it's like that. It's like Jesus when he died and rose again. In the spirit realm, the Bible says he led in his victorious, uh, uh, um, in his victory over death and sin and disease. In the spirit realm, he took captives, the, the evil one and all these things, and he led them through a public procession through the spirit realm. It's like a billboard, and they were following him bound. That's what the Bible says. That's what the scripture says. So the only authority the evil one is in your life and my life is what you give back to him. That's it. There's no authority over you any longer. That is great news, people. 
please turn to the person who's next to you. That's great news. <laughs> it is great news. And because Jesus was given all power and authority and a name that is above every name, what first Adam surrendered, Jesus regained and restored. And the authority is now given to all those who are in Christ. That's why when he sent out the 12 in Luke chapter 10, the 12 came back and they were, the blind were healing, blind and people were being healed. But the thing they were most overjoyed about, go read it, Luke, 12, uh, Luke 17, 10, 17. And they rejoiced that the demons submitted to them. They were overjoyed about that because they'd never seen it happen before. And Jesus said, don't rejoice that the demons submit to you. You rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life because it's from that place that they submit to you. The position of Satan changed. Pre-resurrection, he was the ruler of the world. Post-resurrection, he's the God of this age, the dominion of darkness. So now Satan tries to gain access to you and me through fear and deception. That's why fear is so. Because he uses fear, fear tactics. We're strongly encouraged to renew our minds so we don't think like he wants us to think. Because the day you got born again, you were given a new heart, but you were not given a new mind. The mind still wants to think like it used to. It takes time to renew it, to get it lined up with how God feels about you and what he says about you. So we're only in bondage in our lives or to the lives of Satan as we believe what he tells us. Deception means something happens when I'm able to influence and manipulate somebody else. That's deception, and that's how it comes. So in order to function as kingdom people, we need to understand and exercise this restored authority. How do I do that, Lord? How do I exercise this restored authority as I serve? Because it's through serving. As I serve your purposes, as I serve those you've called me to serve, as I lay my life down, not only for you, but for others. How does this authority get exercised so we can bring freedom and liberty to others and my own life? Number one, declare who you are. The Gospel of John tells us this, that in him was life and the light was the light of men. And that when you got born again, if you go to John 1, 12, John chapter 2, it'll come up at the back, 10, 11, 12, and 13. It says this. My mind went blank. I don't know the scripture. John 1. says this, verse 10. Now he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, I spoke about that last night, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right. That word right is authority. He gave the authority. He gave them authority to become children of God, born not, not of natural decision, nor of a human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. He gave them authority. When you got born again, you got given authority to declare, I'm a child of God. So to be born a child of God requires birth, but not just in the natural. It's a spiritual birth. It's not a natural birth. 
meaning it's not anything to do with the physical realm and in a person or the ability of a person. It's not to do with the human decision or self-effort or choice or by somebody's effort nor a husband's will, but born of the Spirit. Born of God, of the Spirit. You come alive inside. I'm a child of God. And when you mess up in the morning, who are you? I'm a child of God. You've got to get that in us, folk. Otherwise, we get pushed around by the evil one. I'm a child of God, born of the Spirit. I'm born again. I got born again at 33 years old. I lived my own way for 33 years, thinking it was great, and I was blinded. I was dead inside. And I came alive by His grace at 33 years old. Didn't understand this. But I knew what had changed. Something shifted and changed. It's like the lights went on. Hallelujah. And from that day to this day, I've never, ever doubted that I'm a child of God. Because that's the first thing the devil will attack when you came to Jesus. If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, settle the fact that you're a child of God and that you can declare it. You must declare that fact as often as you can. I belong to Jesus. I'm born of the Spirit. I'm a child of God. My Father loves me. My Father loves me. I have a relationship with my Father in heaven. My Father who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. My Father who created the heavens and earth. My Father is above all things that I can think or ask or imagine. My Father in heaven loves me. And something happens inside you as you begin to declare that again and again and again, born of God. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 3, we need to be born again. You cannot understand the kingdom or enter the kingdom unless you're born again. That's the first thing. We can declare that. That's how you exercise authority. Number two, let's go to Matthew chapter 16. We normally end about 12.30, is that right? No, I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. I try and make a joke when I get too intense. Matthew 16. This, I trust this will help you. When, verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? You all know these scriptures. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you the truth, and I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock, on this revelation of who I am, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What is he saying? Because of the revelation you had who I am, I'm going to build my church on that revelation that I'm the Christ, the Messiah. And I'm going to give you these keys. 
of the kingdom of God. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. So there's a slide that's going to come up at the back. The three heavens. The Bible says there are three heavens. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible says Paul was taken to the third heaven. So we know there are three heavens. Next one, thank you, who's ever doing the slides. Wonderful. The third heaven. Hopefully it'll come up with the third heaven. All right, hopefully it'll come up. There we are. It's a habitation of where God is, three enthroned above on the high. That's the third heaven. The next line, if you can come up, please. Thank you. Where God is enthroned above everything. God is enthroned there. Next line, if you can come up. Angels ministering constantly. Constantly angels are ministering there. You go to read Revelation. Back and forth, bound down, worshiping, ministering to God. They're servants of the Most High God, doing whatever He asks them to do, sending messages, running back and forth throughout and whatever. Next one coming up, if you don't mind, thank you. Where we are seated with Christ. You live here, but you're seated there. Think about that. So, when God wants us to see things, He wants us to see things from that perspective. He wants us to pray that way, not that way. Makes a huge difference. Because that's where we're seated. Ephesians 2 says that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Right there. It's where the will of God is never challenged. It's never challenged. Then we get the second heaven. We can go to the second heaven, please. I'm going to look for my overhead and I don't have it. I don't know what I did with it. The second heaven is the habitation of Satan and the fallen angels. It's just above the surface of the earth. It's where the devil roams to and throw, the Bible says. It's a spiritual battleground. Carry on. The kingdoms of this world are controlled from there, where the will of God is always resisted. Always. So let me tell you, it's Daniel. The New Old Testament gives us wonderful insight to what happens in there. Daniel went to fast and pray for 21 days. You know the story. And an angel came to him and he said, from the first day you set your heart to humble yourself before the Lord your God. I was sent to you, the angel Gabriel. But I was stopped. Go read it. By the king of Persia. It wasn't a physical king. It was a principality in the unseen realm. I was stopped. So I went and got Michael to come and help me fight some battle, a spiritual battle. And now I've come through, the battle has waged, and here's your message from the Lord. So what does that tell me? Every time you pray, something happens up there, people. We don't see it or understand it sometimes. Every time, every time you seek your heart, something happens up there. And before it can be released, yeah, it's got to shift there. All right, then the first heaven is where you and I live on this earth. It's a habitation of man. The kingdoms of this world are here on this planet. The angels serving God come down and speak to mankind, and angels serving Satan, demons also at work over here. And the kingdom of God is within you, the very scripture you read. That's incredible scripture. It's amazing he read this. Three times now, every time this guy says something, is what I'm preaching on. It's amazing. Paul, amazing. So God is saying, you live here, Ken, but you have the kingdom within you and you're enthroned in my third heaven. So I want you to take what's in that heaven and it's actually in your heart and bring it here on this earth. Let my kingdom come 
in heaven here on earth. That's what Jesus said. Pray that. But it's got to go through the second heaven. So Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. If you go to the last, there should be the Amplified Scripture there. Because the Amplified gives it the best meaning. Did I give it to you? I give you the keys, the authority of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, forbid, declare, be improper and unlawful on earth will already, already, it's done, have been bound in heaven. And whatever you lose, permit, declare lawful on earth will already have been loosed in heaven. So Jesus is saying, here's the keys, my son. And because you're born again, my kingdom's within you. Now I'm going to give you authority to release what's in the third heaven here on earth through the proclamation of the gospel. And whatever I've bound Satan because his work has been bound, I want you here on earth to bind his work as well. That's what it means. I give you authority to do that. So where people are struggling with bondage, where people are struggling because the evil one has deceived them and been riddled with fear, and demonic issues, the Bible says, Ken, I give you authority to set that person free now in my name. Because I've already done the work. That's great news. That's how we go forward, people. We don't go back. And so we get privileged to declare the kingdom of God coming here on earth as it is in heaven. We get the privilege to declare the work of the evil one has been destroyed. We get the privilege to declare that. You get the privilege, and I get the privilege. Sorry, I'm going to walk down here because I'm going to use Paul as a. That when this man's struggling with some demonic issues and he wants help, I can come up to him and say, In the name of Jesus, I release Paul. Because I've been given authority to do that. Hello? Every born again Christian has that authority. So then we don't get pushed back or back-footed. The kingdom goes forward. And it's a wonderful joy and privilege. It's the greatest joy in the face of the earth to see people come free, to healing come, relationships stored because of misunderstanding or brokenness or bitterness, where the work of the devil has come to destroy marriages, parent and child. And God says, no, release my kingdom in that situation. Let my love go forth. Let my righteousness take hold in that situation so I can restore. It's the greatest privilege. And you as a Christian have authority to destroy the work of the devil that any unbelieving president does not have that authority. That's why political... That's what I'm looking for. True freedom will never come from political policies. It comes from it then. How can Paul be sitting in prison and he wrote half the New Testament, today we live by it, because the word of God cannot be chained. Cannot be chained. That's true authority. And then the last one, what do we have authority to do? Go to John chapter 20. You're all still with me? You're all gone. Wonderful. Trying to equip you to go forward, to push back the powers of darkness, that one who deceived mankind. 
John chapter 20, verse 19, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw him. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Then it's interesting what he says. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. That's a key. We don't have the freedom and the right to tell people they are forgiven. That's not what he's saying there. He breathed on them. They were born again. In my opinion, that's when the disciples were born again. We don't have that freedom to do that. But what Jesus is saying there, those words are a perfect tense in Greek, and it should be translated, they have been forgiven or they have not been forgiven. It gives the sense of a completed past action with continuing results in the present. It is not that Christians or churches have authority on their own to forgive or not to forgive. That we do not have. Rather, as the church proclaims the gospel of the kingdom, which includes forgiveness of sins, those who believe in Jesus have their sins forgiven. And those who don't, don't have their sins forgiven. That's what he's saying. You have within you the authority to go forth and declare the kingdom of God. And as people believe, their sins are forgiven. That's what he said. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. So three things. You have authority to declare who you are, a child of God, unashamedly, unashamedly a child of God. And notice I didn't ask how your day was. I didn't ask if you didn't mess up yesterday. I didn't ask if you didn't have your fight with your wife on the way to church. I asked, who are you? I'm a child of God. Because it doesn't depend on your condition. It depends on your position. Never live from your condition. Live from your position of who you are. And as that identity takes shape within us, we begin to shift and change the way we behave. We honestly do. It's not me trying to be a change. It's what happens. So I have the right to declare my child of God. That's what the Bible says. And there's huge implications with that. I have the right to declare freedom to the captives. I have the right to declare the work of the devil has been destroyed. For this purpose, Christ was revealed to destroy the work of the devil. And when Michelle and I in ministry, we would travel. We see a lot of that happening. We just do. We see people coming free. I was in London not too long ago, and there was a lady that was bound by fear. She was a lovely believer, married, wonderful believer. I taught on spiritual warfare and deliverance, and she came forward for prayer. And she got wonderfully set free from fear. And then she told me the story. When she was 13 years old, she lived in South Africa, and one day at an evening service, some people walked in with masks and AK-47s. And she was 13 years old, and she ducked under the pew. And she said, fear just gripped her. I understand. And she said, from that day on, I lived with fear. I was afraid to fly. I was afraid to do this. I was even afraid to begin to drive my car. It's fear gripped her. Yet she said, I love Jesus with all my heart. And she happened to respond. She was 35 years old. She'd been living it for nearly 20 years. God set her free. She wrote me a little, a little article to Michelle and I and thanked us and thanked the Lord. And she said, I've never been this free in all my life. 
And now I drive my car, and now I go, my husband says, I can't believe I'm like a different person. She had been bound. Fuck, when you're struggling with something, don't condemn yourself. Please don't. Don't go down the avenue of guilt and condemnation. That is the devil's work. God, you came to set me free. I want freedom. I love you. I'm your child. Show me how this works. Show me what I need to do to get free. Because you have destroyed. You have destroyed. You have destroyed. You have destroyed the work of the evil one. Destroyed it. So you have authority to do that, to cast out demons. That's how the Bible puts it. One third of Jesus' ministry was casting out demons, and we don't talk about it today. Yet it's part of his ministry. And then you have authority to declare the gospel so forgiveness can come to people so they can get healed and set free. That's what you have authority to do. Hallelujah. So if you're here this morning and you've never publicly declared that you're a child of God or you feel like you just need to do it, I'm going to ask you to stand where you are, just one at a time. Just We're going to take two, three more minutes. I just want you to stand and say, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Because when you do that publicly, something happens inside of you. When I got married to this lovely lady over here, we've been married for 44 years. First 43 are the worst, but it's getting better. Been 44, three years. 44 years. I wanted everybody to see. That's why I invited people. I'm getting married to this wonderful lady, and she's getting married even to this wonderful man. Now I'm teasing. And so I want to encourage you. Your heart is beating a little bit. Your tongue's a little dry. That's the Lord just prompting you. Stand and just say it. I'm a child of God. Anybody? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you. Wonderful. Maybe you've declared it 20 times. Don't be afraid. Wake up in the morning. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. You are. Yes, young lady. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, wonderful. That's good. See, when that happens, it releases something. Wonderful. Good for you, sir. Now, I want you to, I know you've got masks on, so it's a little difficult, but I want you to declare, I have authority over the dominion of darkness. I want you to say that. I have authority over the dominion of darkness. Now I'm going to ask you to say it this way. Satan, I have authority over your works. I have God-given authority over your works. And then say, Father, I thank you that as as I declare your love and grace, forgiveness will come to others. Thank you for the keys of the kingdom. 
I'd love to pray for all the elders and their wives because they're in authority here. So all the elders and wives, can you come up here if you don't mind, please? Just give us two more minutes. I think it's possible that oh, they're here. Is any of the other is wives that, um, not it? here? Are they in the kids' ministry at all? If so, maybe we could spell them off and bring them out. Thank you. One, two, three, there's one missing. Nathan and Megan, okay. Are they coming? No. They're not? They're not Oh, shame. Sorry. Okay. All right. They will, they're, they're standing over there. Can't you see them? I can see them standing there. All right. It applies to them as much as, remember when Moses said, I wish that all the people, two weren't even in the camp and they were prophesying somewhere else. So come together, please. Come together, please. You do love one another, don't you? You don't have to Sometimes. Standing on me All right. Folk, why am I doing this? Because they've been placed in authority here. It doesn't mean they're better than anybody here. You've got to understand it. It doesn't mean they're more godly than anybody else. It doesn't mean they're closer to Jesus than anybody else. They've just been given something to be able to do what God's called them to do. That's all it is. And it's got to be God-given. That's why to go into leadership has got to be called by God. It can't be man's idea. Because then God gives you the ability and the giftings that you need to do what you're called to do. But if it goes well with them, it goes well with you. That's how it works. And I'm going to encourage you, never undermine your authority. Never. Because when you do that, we side with the evil one. Pray for them. Encourage them. Love them. They will function much better, trust me. <laughs> and I think this is a wonderful group of people. We've had opportunity to spend some time with them. They really are an amazing group of people. They really are. Michelle and I were just speaking about it. I actually said if I was leading a church, I'd want to take them all with me. Because <laughs> they're a lovely group. They really are. And they love you guys. They honestly do. Father, I thank you for these couples. I thank you for these couples whom you've called and you've placed in this position of responsibility. And Father, I ask you where they feel drained, where they feel a little washed out. Come and refresh, I pray. And Lord, where they've given and given and given, Come and fill up again. And I thank you for their different giftings and the expression of their different giftings. Thank you for this lady who's a wrecker of the dominion of darkness. A little fireball in the spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very unassuming. But my, does she wreak havoc, Lord? Thank you. Thank you for what she does in the unseen realm. Thank you for this man, Lord. Mm. Thank you for the way he serves. I've just seen the way he serves. It's unbelievable. Thank you, Lord. 
And I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this man and through this man and just the way I've seen the change in his last years, the explosion with him, the increase in the depth and the breadth of all that you're doing in him, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the increased authority I see in his life. Thank you, Father. Bless this man, Lord. Thank you. Continue to tie his heart to his mouth, Lord. Thank you, Father, for what's in you. Thank you. Thank you for this man, Lord. Lord, it's like he thinks with his mouth. It's unbelievable. Thank you for the gifting that's on this man, Lord. Wonderful gifting on his life, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for his ability just to bring your word and preach your word and teach your word and the depth of it, Lord. And Lord, I thank you you've given him an eye to see, oh, that needs to change here, this needs to change here. Amen. And I've been here, I've noticed, he's the one that comes and says, can I do this for you, do that for you. When there's no chair, you'll run and get one, Lord. It just has that insight and that ability. Thank you. Bless this man. Bless this man, Lord. And I thank you he will walk into the fullness of his calling and destiny. I declare that over him. Thank you for this lady, Lord. Thank you for the incredible depth in this lady. Thank you, Lord, that she stood a test of time. She's made some tough decisions in the past, Lord. Costly decisions in the past. It's because she loves you. Because she loves you. Thank you. And I declare healing over this body now in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. I want to declare healing over this body. Healing over this body. I speak against every work of the evil one that's wanted to be sown into this body in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for her. And Lord, at times she's felt like, huh, she just felt like she doesn't shape up and I just rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus. Thank you for her. Thank you for her. Thank you for this man, Lord. The man that wants to fly. That man wants to be a trapeze artist and take a risk in the spirit. The man who wants to do the extra somersault in the spirit. Thank you, Father, for him. Thank you for him, Lord. Thank you for him. For I feel like Ulu would say, my son, the blind will see, the lame will walk, and the deaf will hear, and the dead will be raised. The dead will be raised. Because have I not put that in your heart? Have I not put that desire in your heart from the very moment you got to know me? That is not that right there in your DNA. And I will watch over this war to perform it. It will come through your life. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the freshness of the anointing coming on this man, even now. And Lord, I break some of the boxes at times he's even put on himself. I release him from those boxes today in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for this lady. Thank you for this lady, Lord. Thank you for this unassuming lady, Lord. Yet a pillar of strength. 
the way she stands by her husband, the way she encourages. And I feel like the Lord said to you, my daughter, did, it, did it not I qualify you? Did not I call you? Did not I put my name in your heart? Did not I do that? Know that I'll never leave you or forsake you. Know that I'll always have your hand in my heart. It will always be there. Nobody will take it from me. Nobody. Thank you, Lord, for the tenderness that you have over this lady. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And I feel like the Lord's gonna, I feel like the Lord would say to you, my daughter, there's gonna shift and a change is gonna come. You're gonna begin to see things in the spirit. The pictures I give you are gonna come in greater detail. The color's gonna come back into some of your life where it was robbed and taken from you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And some of the hard times you've been through, they will cease in the name of Jesus. I release you. I release you in the name of Jesus. I release you in the name of Jesus. I speak to release over you now in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. No longer boxed by people's opinions or thoughts. Released. Released in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. That's it. A little better? Wonderful. All right. Wonderful your patience, eh? Yeah. Good. Give them a hand. Give them a hand. Why don't you come walk? Don't come here. Come back here. I want you to turn around, but with all of these people. All of Sorry, Michelle. Can you carry on giving the words? You need the word. I just want to quickly do something. I want you to turn this way. I'm sorry. Sorry. There's, my noses are running and all sorts of things are happening there, but I know what that's like because when they run, they go along. Okay. I'm going to ask you to do a favor if I can. I'm going to ask you to stand and raise your hand to them and just say, Lord, bless them. Thank you for them. Cover them. And we include the others that are not here. We include the other two couples, uh, Mike and Deb and Nathan and Megan. Lord, I include them as we reach out to those that have answered your call. Bless them. Bless them, Father. Bless them, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, let them receive the affirmation of your people and the love. Thank you. For you have put them in a position of authority, Lord, to serve your people. And they do it so willingly. I've seen it so readily. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Over to you or wherever I give it over to. Yes.